Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. Welcome to Experience Church. My name is Ken. It's so excited to have you here this morning. I just want to say I believe that God has something special for us today. Um, I was thinking back um, how one day I was headed to church and I was on my way to a freedom, freedom conference. Had some guys waiting on me at the church and I was super excited about getting there. I mean, I was, I was, I was speeding, put it that way. Because I'm a person, I don't like to be late, so I'm trying to make my way to the church. And, um, you know, I, I, I was never late until I got married. <laughs> I'm letting you know now, once you get married, you can, it's no longer she's late, it's we're late. You know, and I was ready like 30 minutes before, so praise God, amen. So here I am, I'm at the light, and... You know, I'm so excited. It's literally right down the street, the light right here by Costco. And, you know, and I'm ready to get to the church. I'm excited about this Freedom Conference. And somebody's in front of me and they're texting or something, some young college kid, you know, they're on their phone. And I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm burning. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. And the light turned green and I just, boom, it just, you know, went on around. Forgive me if that was you. Um, I'm sorry. I was going to a freedom conference. I got healed, okay? You know, but oftentimes when people are, you know, like that, you, you give them the courtesy bump, bump, bump. You know, but I, I wasn't in the courtesy mood. So I laid on it. Amen. But I'm believing that God has something for us today. And I, and I just want to give you a bump, bump. Not gonna lay on it on you today. Just give you a little bump, bump, and hope it helps you in your Christian walk. Amen. Amen. Preppers, preparing for God's purpose, is what I want to talk about. Because when you think about it, we're all just trying to grow and trying to be better uh, believers, better Christians, and um, it's like we're all in the same hospital room. We're all having surgery. We're all getting things cut out of us. We're all trying to be better. Like I'm laying over here and you're over there. What are you getting cut out today? Well, I got some anger in me today. What are you getting cut out? Well, I got a little unforgiveness-itis in my heart. And then, you know, I see you next week. You back in there. I'm like, what you still back in here for? You're like, well, I, I got angry again. Why are you still in here? Well, I got a deep surgery. I mean, I got my unforgiveness go deep, so I'm going to be here for a while. But we're all trying to get better. Amen? Preparing for God's purpose is what I want to speak about. Genesis chapter 12. And it says, The Lord said to Abraham, or Abram at this time, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land that I will show you. In other words, Abraham, I want you to leave. I want you to go to the place that I'm telling you to go, that I'm going to lead you to. And I want you to leave your kinfolks, leave your household, and go to the place that I will show you. I 
have purpose for you. I want you to go to the place I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarah, his nephew, Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated. Okay, God, you want me to leave? I'm going to leave, but I'm taking my stuff. And the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. And Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring will I give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who appeared to him. From there, he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Purpose. God called Abraham and told Abraham, Abraham, I want you to leave your kinfolk. I want you to leave your land and go to a place that I have prepared for you. I have a purpose for your life. And our purpose, a lot of times, is tied up in our obedience to what God is calling us to do. And a lot of times, our purpose is not all about us. Our purpose in life is really to be a blessing to someone else. Purpose, the definition is a setting forth in advance for a specific purpose are God's purpose. It's a proposal. God is saying, here is what I propose for your life, Abraham. If you will leave your country, leave your land, and go to a place that I will show you, if you be obedient unto this, then I will bless you. I will make your name great. Not society, me. God himself will make your name great. God will give you purpose if you decide to be obedient to God's will. So your life's purpose consists of the central motivating aims of your life. Like what are your passions? What are some things you are passionate about? It doesn't mean that's always your purpose, but sometimes your purpose can be found in the things you're passionate about. Maybe homeless people or maybe the sick. Whatever that thing is that's driving your life. Just because you're passionate now, I don't want you to get it, get it twisted. Don't mean that it's your purpose. A lot of people are passionate about singing, but it ain't your purpose. And I'll be the first one to tell you, my wife is passionate about singing. She's always asking to get up here. And I tell her, baby, 
That ain't your purpose. <laughs> that ain't your purpose. Stay in your lane. So what's the reason you get up in the morning? Purpose can guide life's decisions. It can influence behavior. It can shape goals, offer sense of directions, and can create meaning for your life. But every day, we need to wake up saying, God, what's your purpose for my life? I want God to be the reason that I get up every morning. I want God to be first in my life where I say, God, how can I make a difference today? What's my purpose at my job today? What my purpose, what's my purpose in my marriage today? What's my purpose uh, in my relationships today? Because God created all of us for a purpose. In the beginning, the Bible says God created man in his image and his likeness, not just to exist, but to replenish the earth, to be fruitful and multiply. God say, I have a purpose for your life. Any great inventor that invented something had a purpose in mind, whether it was a boat, an airplane, a toothbrush and toothpaste. Thank God for toothbrush and toothpaste. <laughs> Whatever the invention was, there was a purpose. And God is saying, I created you for a purpose, not just to exist. I love the way Romans chapter 9 verse 20 reads. It says, no, don't say that. This is Paul speaking. He said, who are you, a mere human being, to argue with God? So the thing that was created, say to the one who created it, why have you made me like this? See, a lot of us are saying, God, why have you made me? What on earth am I here for? There has to be something bigger than what I'm doing now, just everyday life. Proverbs 29, 18 says it this way. Where there is no vision, no revelation, the people die. But he that keepeth the law is happy. People perish, they die because there is no vision. There is no purpose. They have no revelation. We wonder why people turn to drugs and alcoholic, being an alcoholic and, 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 and suicide. It's because they have no vision. The NLT says it like this in Proverbs 29 and 18. When people do not accept Divine guidance, they run wild. They're just all over the place. I, th I think about when I was younger, how my grandfather had all these chickens, and they just ran everywhere, and we chased them as they just ran around. Wild, all over the place. And sometimes that's how society looks, like people are just running all over the place, running wild. Running to different relationships and different careers and different education, trying to get things in life without a purpose. But whoever, whoever obeys the law is joyful. Whoever get 
gets divine guidance can receive the joy of the Lord because his purpose can be fulfilled. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12 says it this way. It's in Christ. It's in Christ. I don't know if you're in Christ today, but if not, then you don't know who you are because he says it's in Christ that we find out who we are. You may be here today, you may be outside of Christ, and that's why you're running wild and you don't know who you are. You don't know the purpose that God has for your life. He say in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for, what my purpose is in life. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, we had, he had his eye on us. I like that. It's kind of like a girl, you got your eye on. Like, girl, I see you. You know what I'm saying? You got your eye on her like, Girl, something special about you. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, Christ had his eye on us. He had a design for our life, a glorious life. And it was part of our overall purpose. God has a purpose for your life. And I believe that as we prepare for God's purpose, God's purpose is for us to follow him. It's to follow him. He told Abraham to leave and follow me. Follow the plan that I have for your life. God said, I have a proposal for your life. And if you follow this plan that I have for your life, your life will be a lot better. But oftentimes, we want to write our own plan and proposal and say, this is how I'm going to live my life. This is who I'm going to become. And the Lord is saying, I have a purpose and a plan for your life. And oftentimes when we follow Christ, to follow Christ literally means to accompany him, to be close to him, to follow him close, to get so close. The word means to be able to investigate his life, to have a comparison, to look like him, to have an image of Christ in our life. God, I follow you so close to where people don't have to wonder if I'm following you. People don't have to wonder if I'm a believer or not because I follow you closely. Following means that I play out, I live out, I walk it, I talk it. The word of God in my life. Come on, it's time to follow him close today. It's time for us to begin to investigate his life, to, to resemble who he is so the world can see that I follow Jesus. Come on, somebody, I follow the Lord. Amen. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 says this. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were just casting nets, fishermen, living their life every day, just trying to, 
trying to survive. They were good fishermen. Peter, you know, had his own boat and everything. We know the story where Jesus came and he asked Peter, can he get on his boat and thrust out a little bit so that he can preach to the people? Peter, Peter was a fisherman. This was what he, he did in life. And Jesus showed up in his life and told him to come follow me. I have a plan and purpose for your life, Peter. Yes, I know you're a good fisher and a hard worker, but I want to take your life. And I want to make you a fisher of men. I want to give you a bigger purpose than just fishing every day to survive. I want to give you purpose in life where you will make a difference in other people's lives. Follow me. In verse 20, say they left. Just left their nets and followed Jesus. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 9 reads like this. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. A tax collector's. People during this time didn't like tax collectors. People now don't like tax collectors. But it was, they, they, they felt like the tax collectors was, were crooks and they were taking their money and overcharging them. And Jesus saw Matthew sitting there, and I'm pretty sure Matthew had to deal with these people every day with their anger and, you know, resentment and bitterness. And, and, and Matthew's thinking, it's not my fault. I'm just trying to work. Like, I'm just showing up to work. That's all I'm doing. And I got to hear this. You know how it is when you're at, you know, you may be working on it at a restaurant or drive through and people just, you, they get on your nerves. Come on, let's be honest. And Matthew is saying, like, man, I just, I don't want to see these people today. And the Bible says that when Jesus came, he told Matthew, he said, follow me. And I was reading, I'm like, the Bible said Matthew just got up. Here I am at work. And Jesus come by and say, follow me. And I just get up. That lets you know the man was tired of the job, y'all. <laughs> Come on, he didn't give him a two-week notice. He was out of there. Deuces, I'm gone. I don't like this job anyway. Come on, that's some of us. Like, if I could just get up, I'd just get God, please let me win the lottery. Because I'll just get up out of here. So he just got up and left. And a lot of us, Sometimes we live the same old life, the same old life. Lay down in the same old bed at night. Wake up the next morning, go use the same old bathroom. Get to the sink and brush the same old teeth. Go let the same old dog out in the cold. Wake the same old kids up. Get ready for work. Go back before you leave out and wake the same old kids up again, especially if they're teenagers. Get in the same old truck, drive to work through that God awful traffic, get to the same old job, and there go the same old people. 
And then we do it all over again. And we do it miserable, hating what we're doing because we don't have purpose in it. But what would it look like if we wake up with God's purpose saying, God, today I live for you. Today I put you first. Today I want to serve you, Lord. Today I want to be able to make a difference in the world. I want to go through that traffic and I want to praise you, God. I want to get to work, Lord, and I want to just be able to walk in there in the spirit and make a difference. Because I'm living life with God's purpose. Mark chapter 8, 34 says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew, oh, excuse me, that's the wrong one, Matthew 8, 34. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever, I like this because Jesus says, whoever, it's not for just one type or one group of people. He said, whoever want to be a disciple, whoever want to be a Christian, whoever want to be a believer, must deny himself. You must deny yourself. You got to be willing to say, Lord, I want to stop some things in my life. I want to leave some things in my life. Not like Abraham who said, I'm going to bring my possessions. God is saying, Jesus said, when if you want to follow me, you got to deny yourself. You got to deny some habits and deny some behavior and deny some things that you got going on in your life. Deny yourself. He said, not only do you have to deny yourself. He said, you must take up your cross and follow me. Now, when we think of a cross, we think of something pretty, shiny, some gold, a nice-looking cross. And we say, you know, that's a nice cross you have on. But when Jesus talked about a cross during this time, they was, he was, all they can think about was pain and suffering, death, rejection. And Jesus is saying to us, you got to take up your cross. You got to be willing to die. If you want to be my disciple, the old man has to die so that the new man can live. He said, you got to take up your cross and you got to follow me. You got to be close to me. You got to investigate my life. You got to walk it out. Because for whoever wants to save their life. You're going to lose it. You're going to die. Like, I don't know if you all know it, but we all going to die one day. The Bible says it's appointed until man wants to die, but after that, it's the judgment. That's one appointment you won't miss. You might show up late to work, but you won't show up late for that. Because that's an appointment that we all will face. You may work out in the gym every day, but you're going to die. Sorry. You may eat organic food, but people who eat organic food, I'm not, they die. I'm sorry to tell you. 
He say that you will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and life more abundantly. I came that you may have a God kind of life, a life of joy and peace and salvation. Luke chapter 9 verse 23 says, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Luke just put one word in there that's different. Daily. He's not just the Sunday morning God. We got to follow him every day. We got to walk close every day. We got to deny ourselves every day. I told you I'm just going to give you a little bump bump today. I hope you I hope you're moving on. Amen. John chapter eight, verse thirty one says. Then said Jesus to the Jews, which believed on him, they were believers, Christians, believers. He said they believed on him. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed? If you're following me daily in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you should know the truth, and the truth will make you free. This is why we follow him, because we want to learn to know him. We want to get close up with him, because we want freedom in our lives. But we got to continue in him. We got to learn to know him so that we can experience true freedom in our lives. If you don't continue in his word, continue to follow Jesus, you cannot have true freedom in your life. I'm telling you, freedom comes when you start to know God. And you start to really dig down into his word and you start to, to get close up and personal with God. You can be made free. If you want to continue in him, if you want to continue to grow, if you want to continue to, to, to grow in your Christian walk, you got to read the word of God. Apply it to your life every day. Come to church. Get up and just come to church. Come hear the word of God and let, let somebody minister to your spirit. Live a life of prayer. Just start doing things that the church is doing. First side of the prayer, I'm coming because I'm trying to get close to him. Outreach, I'm coming. Serve day, sign me up because I want to get close to him. I want to follow Jesus. 21 days of fasting and prayer, let's do it. Start applying things to your life that will help you to get closer. Because when you get closer, you get freedom. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. 
who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestinated, predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And this is God's purpose for our life, for us to follow him so that we can be conformed and start looking like Jesus so the world can see the light that is set on the hill. Let's get close to him today. Thank God's purpose also for us just to love Jesus above everything else. As we prepare for his purpose, let us just love him. Say, God, I love you above everything else. Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 says, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees and Pharisee, the Pharisees got together, one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God. Come on, everybody say that three-letter word with me. With all. Come on, one more time. With all. With all your heart. Love him with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He said, this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Love the Lord with all your heart. Come on, y'all, it's time to go all in for Jesus. Love is just an expression of worship, saying, God, I worship you, Lord. I, I put you above everything else. You're the greatest in my life. I love you, Lord, with all my heart. With all my mind, like my mind, I got to make Christ the head of my life. I love how Abraham just kept building altars as he was moving through the land. He just kept building altars unto God because he just kept saying, God, I love you. Because they built altars when they had an encounter. One, when they had an encounter Two, whenever they uh, got delivered from their enemies, they built altars. And three, uh, whenever they surrendered, they built altars. And Abraham built an altar because he said, I had an encounter. I met the God who created the universe, the God that had all, have all power. I worship your Lord, and I love you above everything else. We have to live a life of worship. We need to just have a life where we're building altars everywhere we go. Taking them up. God, I praise you, Lord. I worship you before I go into my job. Lord, I worship you before I have a meeting. Lord, I worship you before I have this conversation with someone. Just begin to put him first in your life. Because a lot of times we think of idols as being things in the Bible, like a big golden calf or a big statue. But a lot of times there's idols that we have in our lives that we put ahead of God or we have sitting on the throne of our hearts. And I, I wrote this, an idol is when something or someone becomes more important to us than God. Something or someone 
becomes more important to us than God becomes an idol in our lives. And a lot of times idols can look like food or a relationship, money, my career. I can put a lot of things before God, my kids, my education, social media. That's why Paul tells us daily to examine ourselves. My hobbies can be an idol. Habits can be an idol. Tim Keller wrote a book titled Counterfeit Gods, and he says, an idol is anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, in anything that you seek to give you what only God can give, can be an idol in your life. Is there something that you're seeking for it to give you what only God can give you? Is there something that is absorbing your imagination and your heart daily more than God? I love Genesis chapter 22. It says, then God said to Abraham, take your son. Your only son, who you love, the thing that you love. God knew that Abraham loved Isaac. He knew it because he wanted a son so bad to where he worshiped his son. And God says, nothing can be before me. Say, Abraham, I want you to offer up your only son, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Colossians chapter 3 verse 5 says this. So put to death the sinful earthly things that's lurking within you. Worldly things that are lurking within you. We all have things that are lurking within us. He said, have nothing to do with it. Sexual immortality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. And because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. We have to make sure our heart is right when we're worshiping God, when we're following the Lord, making sure we're putting him on the throne of our heart. Exodus chapter 34, 14 says, For thou should worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. He said, I want all your heart. I want you to worship me with everything. I want you to put me before your job, before your career, before your marriage, before your kids, before your mother and father. I want to be on the throne of your heart. Don't mean that you can't love everything else and everybody else, but I 
need to be number one in your life. Do you love God enough? Like Abraham was willing to offer up his son, the thing that he loved the most. Are you willing to offer up to God the thing, the person, the career, the education, whatever it may be that you love the most? Come on, you know what that thing is in your own life that you need to offer up. Jesus was willing to offer up his only son because he loved you so much. Are you willing to offer it up, the thing that you love the most? He says in Luke 14, 26, if a man come to me in hate, not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciples. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me, cannot be my disciples. That word hate literally means love more than me. If anybody come, if you come and you love anybody more than me, you, Jesus said you can't be my disciples. I need you to love everybody else a little bit less than you love me. It's time to make him Savior and Lord of our life. David said this, search my heart. And try my thoughts, O God, and see if there be anything in me, any wickedness, any idols in my life. And lead me to the way of everlasting. Help me to overcome or help me to be able to sacrifice and surrender these things unto you, Lord. God's purpose is also for us, I believe, to love other people. And I don't want to talk about this too long because I know Pastor Jordan talked about it on last week. But we as believers, we got to learn to love right. It's time for us to start loving people so that people can see the love of Christ in our life. Because love is not just like this. Love is like this as well. He said, Jesus says in Matthew 22, 37, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbors as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two things. First Peter 4, 8 say, above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity should cover the multitude of sins. If I love you, I won't steal from you. If I love you, I won't harm you. If I love you, I won't lie to you. It will cover the multitude of sins. First Corinthians 13 tells us that love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not rude, keeps no records. See, love is more than we can say, more than we can do, or more than we can give. Love is in the heart, and we got to start loving people. As I close, 
God's purpose as we prepare and prep. I think his purpose is for us to just preach the gospel. Tell people about Jesus. Tell them about the love of God. The last thing Jesus said to his disciples in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He said, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses. Something we all should be. He called us all to be a witness of his son. A witness of his love. He said, you should be a witness unto me both in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Be a witness in your home, in your church. And then let's get outside of these walls and be a witness in our communities, on our jobs. In the stores. And let us be a witness to those who are lost. Tell people about the love of God. That is your purpose. That is your mission. It's to tell the world how much Jesus loves them. That he came to die for them. That if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things can become new. God loves you. That's the message that we ought to tell the world. You say, well, I'm not called to do that. He didn't call me to preach. He didn't call me to say that. That's not true. Second Corinthians chapter five says this. And we'll start at verse 18. He says, and all things are of God who hath reconciled, restored us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry. Your ministry is to restore other people. The ministry of reconciliation to witness that God was in Christ Jesus Reconcile and restoring the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, then we are ambassadors for Christ. You're called. Your purpose in life is to be an ambassador and tell somebody about Jesus. I'm just temporarily here in a foreign land to tell you that Jesus loves you. Let's represent. Abraham, Sarah, stepped outside of God's purpose. They thought time was running out. And my time is running out. They thought time was running out. And they said, maybe we should, maybe God's purpose is for us. To have a child. I know he said we should have a son and we should have all these heirs and these seeds. Maybe it's through Hagar. Maybe we should allow you, Abraham, to have a, a baby, a child through Hagar. And God said, no, that's wasn't my plan for your life. Abraham was getting old at this point. 
God called them at 75. Ten years later, they were saying, God, where's the purpose? They went into uh, Hagar and had Ishmael, which wasn't God's purpose for their life. And some of us thinking that we're too old or we're too young, that God don't have a purpose for my life. Like I don't have the gifts or the talent. It doesn't matter. God has a purpose for your life. 24 years later, at 99 years old, God came back to Abraham and affirmed to him that I have a plan and purpose for your life. And I am the El Shaddai, the God Almighty. Nothing's too hard for me. And at 99, he showed up and was talking to Abraham and told him, where's your wife, Sarah? I'm finna give you a, a son. And the Bible says Sarah laughed. You mean how am I going to have a child being old? These wounds dried up. And at 100 years old, God showed up and brought Isaac. And Isaac's name means laughter. She laughed, but God really was about to make her laugh. And I'm telling you now, you think you don't have purpose, but God it's going to make you laugh. When you walk into God's purpose, you're going to say, God, thank you for purpose in Jesus' name. Let us bow our heads.